Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back. This is Scott Simpson filling in for Boyd today. You're listening to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. We're going to interrupt a little bit and take a, a, a little more of a conversation around last night's hearing. We have with us Royal Oaks, a uh, legal analyst for ABC News, that's going to give us a little bit of insight into what we've heard and what the implications might be. Royal, thank you for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Yeah, the first night was uh, pretty much a blockbuster from the Democrat standpoint. It was a two-hour primetime event. It was aired live on most networks, and the theme for the Democrats was this was an attempted coup. Trump was at the center of the scheme to pay and stay in power. It was not a spontaneous riot, but a culmination of an effort to to keep in power. And I, I mentioned that this is uh, from the Democrats' perspective. Actually, two Republicans are on the committee. Liz Cheney, Republican of Wyoming, was vice chair. She really led the first night presentation, and Adam uh, Kinzinger, uh, Republican of Illinois, the other GOP member. Other than that, the GOP pretty much boycotted it. They characterized it as really uh, not a, uh, a bipartisan approach. And maybe the soundbite of the night was uh, Liz Cheney sort of giving a tease. She didn't give any names, but she said that somebody is going to testify to say that on January 6th, President Trump, when hearing that uh, the mob wanted to hang Mike Pence, President Trump allegedly said, uh, well, maybe our supporters have the right idea and he deserves it. So we'll see what the specifics the Democrats come up with in subsequent days of the hearing. Now, this is not a criminal proceeding, right? This 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 is just an inquiry from Congress. Correct. Not a criminal proceeding, not even a civil legal proceeding. This is, as you say, an inquiry, an investigation by the House of Representatives Committee. What's going to happen is that they're going to be another five or so hearings over the next two weeks. The very last hearing will be on uh, June 23rd. It'll again be a prime time affair, uh, heavy on video. Uh, heavy on uh, on live witnesses. They interviewed over a thousand witnesses. And then sometime in the fall, the committee will come up with its final report. And of course, one end game for the Democrats would be uh, for uh, the public to sense that this was a coup by Republicans and, and the Republicans might pay the price at the midterms in November. And the other possible goal is to get Merrick Garland or maybe prosecutors in Washington, D.C. or Atlanta to look at indicting Donald Trump for inciting a riot or violating election laws. So some of the evidence that's unearthed during this process could be used in some future criminal proceeding that comes out of the Department of Justice. Is that correct? 
Yeah, it's exactly right. And of course, a lot of subpoenas have been flying around. You're getting a lot of testimony. Of course, uh, Ivanka Trump, the, the daughter of the president, testified. William Barr, former attorney general, uh, who said that the uh, uh, idea that the election had been stolen was a BS. Uh, so, yeah, all of the information that might be dredged up and be presented in a dramatic way uh, for the voters to watch in the hearings in the next couple of weeks, as you say, would be eligible to uh, possibly be considered by grand juries and prosecutors looking at uh, potential criminal actions against either the former president or members of his team. Royal, you're a legal expert, and, and I, 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 my next question has two parts. First is, what is the legal likelihood that you see today of this occurring. But there's also a political question there. So start with the legal likelihood of criminal proceedings following this. And then what is the political likelihood of that following? Yeah, from the legal standpoint, of course, the president, the former president has the ability to say, look at my actual words. I said, march to the Capitol peaceably and uh, uh, patriotically. Now, it's true that uh, Rudy Giuliani used the phrase, this is going to be trial by combat. Others said, let's fight like hell. The question of whether Trump incited violence that could be tough legally to uh, to overcome. The problem of uh, in court would be to establish you know, what his state of mind is. Uh, in addition, however, maybe the more provocative legal question would be whether Trump was derelict in his duties uh, in terms of getting the National Guard in uh, and his response to the idea of an execution of Mike Pence will come into play as well. From a political standpoint, you know, the Democrats might be reluctant to have the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, the AG, uh, to pursue charges against Trump because they would be worried that people would say, oh, we get it. You know, Trump is your likely opponent for Biden in two years. Therefore, you want to put him on the bench. That makes it perhaps more likely that a local prosecutor, the Atlanta DA, who's looking into election violation allegations or the Washington, D.C. prosecutor who might look into the incitement deal separate from the Department of Justice, those would be more likely sources of criminal proceedings. It seems to me that Congress is sort of a uh, a, a shadow of a, of the the population. In, in other words, you've got two members of Congress that are participating in this process, two Republican members that are participating with this committee's process. The others are appear to be holding uh, linking arms opposed to this process and discounting the results and the the intent of this process. I see that sort of occurring in the public. It, it seems to me that there is not much of a persuadable middle here. And, and that being the case, what is an outcome? What, what do we get from this? What is the fruit that comes from this committee's work? Yeah, that's a great point. I think people just know so much about this and have such strong feelings about Donald Trump that I think you're right. Most people already are in one camp or another. Now, inevitably, you've got the great middle, whether it's 20, 30, 40 percent of the people who perhaps are persuadable. They're not political junkies. They don't necessarily hate Trump or hate Nancy Pelosi. They're, they're kind of in the middle. I think the Democrats' hope is that the evidence will be so dramatic, for example, you know, the big reveal of the person who actually is going to say, I heard Donald Trump say, sure, that's fine to hang Mike Pence. If the American people uh, get behind that, they could be so shocked. There could be serious political repercussions. So I think the goals get back to what I mentioned before. Either the Democrats figure they're going to get a, a boost at the polls in the midterms because the people are, are repulsed uh, by what they see, uh, or possibly uh, a local prosecutor will file charges against Donald Trump. And who knows what that might uh, impact might have uh, on his potential run for the presidency in 2024. Royal Oaks, ABC News legal analyst, joining us, giving us a deeper dive into the legal 
implications, the consequences. Thank you for joining us on Inside Sources. You bet. My pleasure. So I, just an interesting way to look through this. Uh, I personally, I think it's a, a, a high bar that, that the Democrats, the, the leadership of this committee have to get over to try to convince the American public that, that have, haven't already made up their mind that the president literally incited. Um, there are lots of, you know, there's lots of evidence that's going to be presented. People will have the opportunity to, I guess, re- reestablish their personal opinions. I believe that most of that has been made. What is interesting, though, is he talked about the general's, uh, the attorney general's assertion. I think, you know, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs assertion last night that were played out. Those are interesting. It will be very interesting to see, you know, the treatment of the vice president or the lack of treatment, the lack of response to the vice president. To me, those seemed like bigger, uh, you know, the absence of action appears to be fact here. So that you know, you can say one thing about not, you know, not inciting or his words, the, the words that he did use did not start this action. But on the tail end of this, his inaction appears to be a matter of fact, and it'll be very interesting to see if that ends up persuading anybody. Um, after the break, we're going to come back and, and pick apart this Janet Yellen interview from yesterday. Thanks for being with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.